In Titus 2, older women are commanded to teach what is good so they can help younger women love their husbands and children. On today's show, you'll hear from older women who will share timeless, relevant biblical wisdom and personal, profound life experiences to help answer your questions and teach what God says is good so you can be the wife and mother you were created to be. Welcome to another episode of Older Women Likewise. Good evening. What a pleasure to have you all with us this evening. And Heather, what a joy to have you back with us. How are you this evening? Great. I'm so excited to be here. I cannot wait to share this lesson with you all. We are really thrilled. We've known about this for several weeks now, months, I guess. And we're just really excited for you to bring this lesson to us. Uh, Jesus our Passover is the title of Heather's lesson. Tell us, you've presented this uh, previously, haven't you, Heather? I um, have. There is a ladies getaway uh, near Lafayette, Indiana every year. And this year, their theme was Jesus, my all in all. And each of the presenters um, was able to choose an aspect of Jesus that they wanted to present. And so I chose Jesus as our Passover. That sounds wonderful. Well, I'm going to let you get right to doing the lesson. And uh, I'm going to drop off the screen and do the producing in the background. So, again, thank you so much, Heather, All for right. being with us. All right. <clears throat> Things have been hard. They'd been hard for years, at times unbearable. The whippings, the hard labor, the longing for a home we'd never seen but heard was promised to us, and then the killing of our children. So much time spent crying out to Yahweh to deliver us. End this misery. Rise up against evil and save your people. And then came Moses. Some of us were hopeful, others soft, but he came with such power. Plagues came down upon Egypt and it seemed like finally we would be released from our bondage. But there was only plague after plague, darkness, flies, lice, so many. And then one night word spread that we were to prepare to leave. There was such a sense of excitement and hope. Finally, freedom. We even started our own way of keeping time. This was to be our first month, a new beginning. But first we had something to do. There was one more plague coming, a horrible plague of death. We were instructed on the 10th day of our new month to take a lamb. One year to get all the leaven out of our homes. Then at twilight, we were to slaughter the lamb, making sure not to break its bones. Some of the blood was to be put on the doorpost and lentils of the house. It was explained that this blood would be our protection. When God saw it, he would pass over our homes 
and only kill the firstborn of the homes where there was no blood. We were warned not to go out of the house protected by this blood until morning. We were also instructed to swim whole and eat it with bitter herbs and unleavened bread while wearing our traveling clothes. This would be a horrible night for some and a night of deliverance for others. And in all of these instructions, it was repeated that Moses said this was a memorial event, that when we got to the promised land, we were to repeat what we did this night to our children. We were to tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. We would also keep a special feast of unleavened bread. After this Passover night, we would spend seven days eating unleavened bread. And when our children asked us why, we were to say, this is done because of what the Lord for me when I came up out of Egypt. And then because God is gracious, we were told when we entered this promised land, we were to set apart to the Lord and sacrifice all the firstborn animals, except the donkeys. Donkeys and firstborn sons would be redeemed by sacrificing a lamb. And when our sons asked about this, we were to tell them, by the strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Now, this was the account passed on from generation to generation, reminding Israel of God's great deliverance from Egypt, from slavery, from homelessness, from death. It was an account that Jesus, a faithful Jew, would have heard each year and one we see him participating in at 12 years old in Luke chapter 2. But in John 1, we see a shifting from Moses' Passover lamb to God's lamb. Upon seeing Jesus, John the baptizer declares, Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it all starts to fall into place. Jesus is our Passover lamb. Jesus was a spotless lamb, just like Moses' lamb. Moses told them in Exodus 12, 5, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. Peter tells his readers in 1 Peter 2, 21 through 22, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. John says in 1 John 3, 5, And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Back to Peter in 1 Peter 1, 18-19, Peter says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Moses instructed them in Exodus 12, 46, 
about the lamb, it shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house and you shall not break any of its bones. This was a whole lamb sacrifice. Well, 1400 years later, this is what's recorded in John 19, 32 through 33. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who were crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. This is also a lamb that was set apart. Moses tells them in Exodus 12, 3, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. This was a lamb that was set apart for a purpose. For four days, it was set apart, cared for by them, slaughtered for them. How is this like Jesus? Right before Jesus's final Passover meal, he says, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of the world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, well, I will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying what death he would die. Jesus was also set apart for a purpose. He came for the purpose of drawing all people to him to protect those who would come from the judgment of the world. The blood of the lamb. In Exodus 12, 22 through 23, Moses tells them, you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come to your houses to strike you. What about the blood of Jesus? In Romans 3, 23 through 26, Paul says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time, his righteousness, that he might be just and a justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Later in Romans, Paul says in Romans 5, 9, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. But Jesus isn't only our Passover lamb. He's actually our complete Passover meal. So let's look at the broader feast. In Exodus 12, 18 through 20, Moses tells the Hebrews, 
In the first month, on the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven shall be found in your houses. Whoever eats what is leavened, the same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he's a stranger or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwellings, you shall eat unleavened bread. Do you get the point? There's not supposed to be any leaven at this feast. Well, we see Jesus during his first Passover, during his ministry, he comes to Jerusalem and look what he does at this Passover feast. In John 2, 13 through 17, it says, now the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. And when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Jesus gets the leaven out of his father's house. Well, during the second time of Passover in Jesus's ministry, we can find this in John 6. This is the passage, of course, where you get the beautiful verse about Jesus is the bread of life. And he who comes to me will never hunger. Well, at this Passover feast, listen to what happens. And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I am him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Here, Jesus is introducing the idea that there's a better memorial meal coming. And then at Jesus's last Passover during his ministry, he keeps the Passover with his disciples. He enters Jerusalem as one set apart. He enters God's house and once again cleanses out the leaven. And days later, he celebrates the Passover with his disciples. In Matthew 26, 26 through 28. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And there is our better memorial meal, a meal that points to deliverance from sin instead of Egypt, to freedom in place of slavery, to a better home than even the promised land, to deliverance not from earthly death, but from eternal death to eternal life. 
a meal that invites us to be one with him, the better lamb. And why is he a better lamb? Because he's risen. He offers himself. That makes him a better lamb. Moses' lamb during the Passover meal didn't volunteer for that duty, was selected. But in John 19, we see Jesus offering himself. In John 19, 30, it says, So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Jesus is a better lamb because he offers once for all time. In Hebrews 10, 12 through 14, it reads, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he's perfected forever those who are being sanctified. We don't need to keep a Passover meal where a lamb is slaughtered every year. Jesus has taken care of this once for all time. And Jesus is a better lamb because he saves from sin, not just earthly death. Again, in Hebrews chapter 5, 7 through 9, it reads, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered and having been perfected. He became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And he's the risen lamb. So I love this. My husband actually shared this with me. When you look at the two, the first two Passovers of Jesus's ministry, you get this hint about the risen lamb. So at the first one in John 2, verses 19 through 22, Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you'll raise it up in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, he risen the dead, his disciples said He will be raised up to live again. So there's a hint. Now let's go to the second Passover. This is found in John 6, 38 through 40. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up the last day. So not only is he going to raise, he's going to raise us up as well to live again. Now, this maybe is my favorite vision of Jesus in the book of Revelation, the risen lamb. So this is taken from Revelation 5. And I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under earth able to open the scroll or look at it. 
So I wept much because there was no one found worthy to open and read the scroll or look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seventh seal. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So what is it that John sees here? It's not a lion, but a slain lamb walking, doing what no other creature on heaven, on earth or under the earth could do. Amazing. What is their response to this? Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing in every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such are in the sea and all that are in them. I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. That's what they did when they saw the slain lamb walking. What are you going to do? What's my response to the lamb? Well, because he lives, I live. I live in freedom, in confidence, with purpose, and I live forever. In Romans 6, 4 through 14, and then go down and pick up verse 22, it reads, Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also, 
Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. Now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and in the end, everlasting life. Let's zoom in on this phrase that Paul uses, not under law, but under grace. So let's go back to the Passover. Remember the slide where we talked about you have to get all the leaven out. No leaven, right? So picture yourself, you're in your kitchen, you rip open a package of yeast and all those little yeast grains, balls, whatever they are, go bouncing all over the floor, okay? You have to pull out the stove, then you realize, well, they probably bounced under the refrigerator as well, pull out the refrigerator. How many times, ladies, do you sweep and mop before you are confident 100% you've gotten every bit of yeast out of your kitchen. Okay, now moms of littles or grandmoms of littles, you have to get all the yeast out of your house. That means all the goldfish dust in your pantry, every Cheerio in the couch, under the couch, shoved in odd places that you didn't know children could get to. All that has to be gone. How hard would that be? Now, get all the sin out of your life. I mean, it's impossible. That's why the law can't say this. It highlights my need for a savior. We need a savior and he's done for us what we can't do for ourselves. He freed us from perfect law keeping. And the response we should have to that is complete devotion to him. We should turn away from even a hint of trying to earn our salvation. We cannot do it. And then guess what we get to enjoy? The freedom from trying to be perfect. Or from having to judge anybody else as imperfect. He set us free from all of that. I, I just want to sit in that a minute because I need that lesson so much that he did what I can't do. All I can do is respond to that love and sacrifice, which leads us to the next point. Because Jesus sacrificed, I'm also going to sacrifice. In Romans 12, 1, Paul writes, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And he tells the Galatians in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm going to hold nothing back. 
It's going to be his will, not mine. What does Jesus want me to do? Am I giving everything to him? My time, my talents, my thoughts, my emotions, my things, my relationships, all are his. And because he suffered, I will suffer. He says in Matthew 10, 24, disciples not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. If he suffered, we're going to do the same. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So the question is, will I suffer like a lamb being led to the slaughter or will I kick against it? Because he purges leaven from the lump, I purge legend, leaven from the lump. In 1 Corinthians 5, uh, Paul's talking to the brethren there, and they're having a problem because there's someone sinning in their midst, and they aren't taking it seriously. So Paul tells them, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. So we do our part to keep the leaven out of our congregations by forming intimate, safe relationships with each other. Relationships that will allow for confession, counsel, accountability, and even rebuke when necessary. It's interesting to me that God chose this Passover as a family event. They were to gather as a family in their home. And if they were too small, they gathered next door with another family. God had them gather together. This was important to him. And because he gathered God's children together in safety, covered by blood, and gave them a memorial meal, I relish the Lord's Supper. I don't check a box indicating that I didn't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. I gather with others who are covered by his blood and we tell the story to each other, to our children. We eat and we remember him. In the book Broken Bread by Tilly Delahaye, she writes, the temple curtain has become a tablecloth and the table is laid with Christ the Son, Jesus our Passover. So let's spread the word. There's safety in the house covered by his blood. There's a way out of Egypt and there's a promised land. Don't get tired of telling the story over and over again. Sister, let's feast. Wow, what a wonderful lesson, Heather. Oh, I just enjoyed that so much. I was sitting in the background listening, <laughs> but it was wonderful. Thank you so much for presenting that. That was just, you know, there's some things I've thought about before and other things. I was like, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way before, but that's beautiful. That's wonderful. And did you tell me before yeah. that you're willing to share your PowerPoint? Absolutely. If anybody wants this, they're welcome to email Al and I'll make sure you have it available. And um, yeah, you're welcome. Welcome to it.
Okay, great. Well, if anybody uh, wants to have a copy of it, if you'll email us at questions at uh, olderwomenlikewise.com, then we will get you a copy either through Heather or through us. We'll work it out one way or another, but uh, we'll be sure that you can get a copy of the PowerPoint, those that would like to have a copy of it. Thank you so much, Heather, for bringing that lesson to us tonight. Wow. I'm, you know, I, I, I think we have from time to time, um, we get used to the Lord's Supper maybe every, because we do take it every Sunday like the early church did. Uh, and if, this will help me, I know, for weeks to come to really focus on Jesus as the Passover lamb and, and to think about that as I'm taking the Lord's Supper each Sunday. And I appreciate so much all your work and and uh, all the effort, because I know how hard it is to make a PowerPoint, you know, from <laughs> just that part is a, a, a just amazing. But you just really pulled those scriptures together so well. Thank you very much. And I, well, I hope it was an encouraging study for me. Um, yeah. My husband, of course, as always, was a huge help. He's the one that was helping me piece together the different Passovers during Jesus's ministry. Yeah. I don't think I'd ever strung those mm -hmm. together before. And the idea, too, of getting all the leaven out of your house. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't imagine what that was like yeah. for them. If I had to get all the leaven out of my house, we would be a hot mess. I wouldn't yeah. have any confidence that I had done it right. Mm -hmm. I would be approaching Passover with a little bit of fear and trembling. Right. And to know that we can approach our Passover, Jesus, or our Passover meal, the Lord's Supper, without fear. What a blessing. Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, that, that's right. That's absolutely right. Uh, so, again, thank you so much. And if you, any of our viewers or listeners would like to have a copy of the PowerPoint, just email us at questions at olderwomenlikewise.com, and we'll make sure that you get a copy of it. Um, we are have enjoyed it so much, and thank you, Heather, for being with us this evening. Um, next week, uh, Cindy's going to bring the lesson on uh, the joy of growth. Uh, we are going to be talking about that during the month of May uh, in our spiritual growth, obviously. Uh, and uh, we invite you to join us next Thursday at 8 o'clock Eastern for that. Um, and uh, as well, if you will, during the weeks, watch Answering Religious Error. On, on Tuesdays at noon, and then the Bible Q&A on Wednesdays at noon. And both of those are times are Eastern, uh, and you some more wonderful Bible teaching. Uh, and on Mondays through Fridays, Mark Dunnigan, Cindy's husband, does a podcast called The Daily Answer. Uh, that's another uplifting and encouraging uh, podcast, more information for you. So we encourage you to take advantage of those Bible studies, uh, as well as many other podcasts and, and video blogs that are available, uh, teaching God's word. And uh, we just encourage you to continue studying all the time. Um, thank you so much, Heather, for being with us. And uh, we appreciate it and wish you well in all the work that you're doing for the Lord. Aw, thanks so much. God's blessings on you.
Thank you and good night.